Hello, and thank you for listening to this life-changing message from River of Life. If you enjoy this message, we invite you to check out River of Life live this Sunday at 10.30 a.m. in Crawfordville. Visit riveroflifefl.com for service times and directions. That's riveroflifefl.com. Now, let's join Senior Pastor Henry Jones as he teaches from the Word of God. A few moments. And today I'm going to speak to you on the subject of beginning with baptism. Beginning with baptism. Uh, According to the Bible, baptism marks the beginning of our walk with the Lord Jesus Christ for all of us. It is an open and public and physical act of obedience. My son was standing here just a moment ago talking to you about obedience and obeying the scriptures. Uh, Baptism is an open and public and physical act of obedience that marks the beginning of the Christian life. Every now and then someone will say to me, Pastor, I got saved several years ago, but I've never been baptized. What should I do? I always tell them the same thing. Get baptized immediately. Because that's the order of things in the Scripture. There is salvation, and then there is baptism. A person should be baptized. That's what the Bible teaches. I I guess you could say that when it comes to the Christian life, There has to be both a spiritual beginning and there has to be a physical beginning. And those two are very closely connected and we need both. We need spiritual birth and we need physical baptism. Now, as far as the the spiritual birth is concerned, here's what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that we need a new birth experience, that we need to be born again. Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven. And so first, and I really mean this, first, there must be a new birth experience, which takes place when our eyes are open to the fact that we are all sinners in need of a Savior. That the Holy Spirit begins to deal with us individually. I'm not saying you can't do it with the entire crowd, but when this is happening with you, you feel like an individual. The Holy Spirit is dealing with you individually, beginning to reveal to you your sin nature, how sinful you are, and how desperate you are for a Savior. And the Holy Spirit brings this conviction on you. And for those who humble themselves under the leadership of the Holy Spirit, they humble themselves and they repent and they ask for forgiveness according to the Bible. Those individuals who do that have an encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ where He removes all of their sins, where He lifts off of them the guilt and the shame of all of their past sins, and He becomes the Lord and Master of their lives living on the inside. And the Bible teaches us that that experience is so dramatic 
It, it is so life-changing that it can be described this way. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now, now that's the spiritual part of it. But there's also a physical part of it. And that is that once a person has come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, they should immediately or soon after that be baptized. That, that's the first step of biblical obedience according to Scripture. Uh, there's something about baptism that just simply marks the beginning of salvation. It marks the beginning of the journey. You just get baptized. That's what the Scripture says. Now... The Bible tells us that in the Gospel of John that Jesus came to John out at the Jordan for John to baptize him. And when Jesus was there at the Jordan River and he came to John and he said, John, I want you to baptize me. And I'm paraphrasing now, but you can find it all in the Scriptures. He said, John, I want you to baptize me. And, and, and John said, oh, no, no, I need to be baptized of you. You, you need to baptize me. And, and G, by the way, can you imagine Jesus asking you to baptize him? Would you say, oh no, I'm the sinner. I'm the one who needs to be saved. But Jesus said to John, John, I want you to baptize me that we might fulfill all righteousness. And when John baptized Jesus, and when he brought God the Son up out of the water, God the Father said, That's my Son in whom I'm well pleased. And God the Holy Spirit descended from heaven and landed upon Jesus. And that moment, that instant marked the beginning of his ministry. That's where his ministry started. And not only was that the beginning of his ministry, but Jesus taught his disciples, and us through the Scriptures that when we lead somebody to Christ, we, we're still doing this today in this church and all over the world, when we lead somebody to Christ, when we lead somebody to be a follower of the Messiah, when we lead somebody to be a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ, then the first thing we do is we baptize them. The Bible tells us um, in the Great Commission... And it says, I think, I'm reading in Matthew 28, 18 and 19, it says, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. And the very first thing he says is baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Make disciples. And then those who are willing to be disciples, those who are willing to be followers of Christ, at the very moment that that person decides, I'm ready to repent of my sins. I'm ready to ask God to forgive me. I'm ready to trust in Him as my Lord and Savior. I'm ready to be His disciple. I'm ready to follow Him for the rest of my life. At that moment, the first thing you do is you baptize Him. That's what Jesus taught. That was the commission He gave. And I want you to know His disciples listen to Him. You see, as you read through the New Testament, they obeyed his command. Simon Peter stood up on the day of Pentecost and he preached to 
thousands, multiplied thousands of people, and he shared with them the good news of a Savior, the gospel, the good news that, that the Son of God had come into the world to save us. And, and, and these are the words of Simon Peter in Acts 2.38. Then Peter said to them, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. He said, repent and be baptized. Get right with God and then get baptized, was what he was saying. And then, beyond that, we find story after story after story in the Bible where people got saved, and then they were baptized. Simon Peter was called to the house of Cornelius. You remember that story in the book of Acts? Cornelius had heard, uh, was praying and seeking God, and the Spirit of the Lord spoke to him and said, Call for Simon Peter. And Simon Peter came, and Cornelius was a wealthy man. He had a large family. He had many servants. He gathered them all together. Simon Peter came to his house and shared with Cornelius and his house the truth, the goodness, the glory, the wonder of salvation and that God was calling all of us to repentance and that they needed Christ. And then they said, we're ready, we're ready to trust Christ. And that's exactly what they did. And in Acts 10, 48, then Simon Peter said this, and he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then they asked him to stay a few days. Oh, friends, they, he, he commanded them to be baptized. He led them to Christ and then the whole family, the whole clan, they all got baptized. I, I don't know if, if God is recording everything that happens on earth so that we can go back and look when we get in heaven. And I hope he's not recording everything, but, but at least the good parts. This is one of those I'd like to go back and see. I'd like to see this baptism of the whole household of Cornelius. They got right with God and they got baptized and they did it immediately. There was salvation and then there was baptism. And then if you're familiar in the book of Acts with the Ethiopian jailer, Paul and Silas were preaching the word. They were caught. They were beaten with whips. They were put in the inner prison. They were in stocks. They were, uh, they were bleeding, suffering, and yet they began to sing praise it at midnight, the Bible says. They were singing praise at midnight. Midnight represents the, the, the darkest time, if you please. And, and, and their backs had been beaten. They were bleeding. They were in chains and stocks. And they began to sing praise. And the Bible tells us an earthquake came and shook the prison. And doors opened and chains fell off. And all the prisoners were released. But guess what they did? They were having such a wonderful church service, they didn't even bother to leave. They just kept singing praise. This messed the jailer up just a little bit, if you please. And he comes rushing in, and, and, and basically what he says is he says to them, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. That's all you have to do. You have to believe on Him. Trust in Him. Repent of your sins. Believe on Him. And, and that very hour, now remember it's at midnight, that very hour He took uh, Paul and Silas out of the jail, took them to His home, and He bathed their wounds 
here's, here's where we read it. I think this is in Acts 16.33. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes. And immediately he and all his family were, say it with me, they were baptized. They didn't even wait until daylight. They got baptized. He got right with God. His family got right with God. And they were baptized. This is awesome. You can just keep going story after story. And, and I, I, there's one story of a, of a guy. The Bible calls him a man of great authority. He was a very important man. He was riding in a chariot. And that's how rich people rode uh, 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 from one place to another in those days. He's in a chariot. God had sent a man of God to join him in that chariot. And he shared with him the Lord Jesus Christ. And he, he finally says to him, what do I have to do? And he says, if you believe with all of your heart, you can be saved. And he did. And they were close to a body of water. And he said, can I be baptized? He said, absolutely. And they stopped the chariot and he was baptized. Right then. You, you see, that's the biblical pattern. When, when Jesus said to his disciples, go into all the world and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's what they did. They led people to Christ. They baptized them. They led them to Christ. They baptized them. Friends, all through the Bible, baptism. I, I challenge you to try to find an example. All through the Bible, baptism marks the beginning. Salvation, baptism. Salvation, baptism. There are some beginnings you just can't bypass. One more time. There's some beginnings you just can't bypass. What if? What if a family in the church approached you and said, I want you to pray for me and my wife. And the two of them are standing there. We want you to pray for us. We want another child. And we want you to pray for us. And you just get a big smile on your face and you say, I am so honored. That is awesome. I will be praying for you to have another child. And they said, well, before you go, we want to give you some kind of instructions on how to pray for us. And so they, you say, okay, well, well give me some instructions. How, exactly how do you want me to pray? And they say, well, we, we, we want... Uh, another child but we don't want a baby and then you just get this great big smile on your face and you say that's even more awesome you're going to adopt a child and they say no 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 we, we want to we want our own biological child but we're not crazy about this thing about pregnancy and labor and delivery and, and And you know, those early diaper years, we, we definitely, we definitely do. I mean, that's just way too messy for us. And, and we want to stay way away from the terrible twos. And the three, four, and five-year-olds, I mean, there's some big question marks around them. I mean, the, the whole idea of having a human being in the house that you can't even talk to is just, 
You know, that bothers us. So, so what we're thinking about is we're thinking about maybe a six-year-old child. So, so that's kind of how we want you to pray. I, and you look at this person and you say, now I'm confused. Let me see if I can get this right. You don't want to adopt. You want your own biological child. But you don't want a baby. And you want, you want to start with a six-year-old. They say, yep, you got it. That's it. That's, that's what we want. Now, uh, how many of you remember what I preached on last week? And I know this is a terrible question. Raise your hand whether you do or not. Just go ahead. Make, make me feel good anyway. Well, well, this is where last week's message comes in. Because you may not say it, but you'd be looking at that couple and you'd be thinking, you need some help. And, and, and I'll be praying for you, but it won't be what you think. I, I, I'll be praying for you to get some help, to get some counseling, because you don't understand that there's some beginnings in life that you just can't bypass. You, yes. You can't have life without birth. You can't have a six-year-old without birth. And you can't have a six-year-old without five previous years. I mean, this is pretty basic, isn't it? You just can't. And friends, I stand before you this morning, and I want to tell you that you cannot be a Christian without a spiritual birth, and you cannot be an obedient Christian without baptism. That's what the Scripture teaches. Over and over and over, the Bible teaches, person gets saved, they get baptized. Now, um, invariably, when I preach like this, somebody challenges me after the service. Oh, pastor, I know somebody who got saved, and there were some conditions that were outside of their control, and they could not be baptized. Are you telling me they are disobedient? Well, friends, I want to answer it this way. We have a loving Caring God, a merciful God. He cares about us. He knows about your unique circumstances. And I am confident that God handles every situation properly. If you ask me, I would say that person is okay. That's what I'd say. Now, I'm not God, so, but I'd say that person is okay. But let me tell you what's not okay. When you spend your whole life looking for loopholes that will somehow justify not doing what the Bible teaches us to do. The Bible teaches us to be baptized. Why would anybody on earth not want to do what God's Word teaches us to do? And so we have a very clear teaching here. Now, when the Apostle Paul was baptized, he was told by Ananias, this is what he was told by Ananias. This is Acts twenty-two sixteen. And now, why are you waiting? By the way, that might be a question I need to ask some of you. Now, let's see. You got saved. You gave your heart to Christ. You had a new birth experience. Now, why are you waiting? Well, why would you wait? You see, baptism is one of those things you just don't wait on. You get saved and you get baptized. 
Now, every now and then I'll have an adult say something like this to me. Well, I know I've been saved, but I want to wait till I understand it better. Well, in that case, I'd need to get baptized about every six months. You see, that won't work. Baptism marks the beginning. You get saved. That's all you know. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I got saved. And then you get baptized. And that marks the beginning. And now, why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. You see, one of the meanings of baptism is that going down into the water and coming up out of the water represents your sins being washed away. I love it. That's like, that's like the coolest thing on the planet. You know, just washed away in Jesus. It's the symbol. It's the sign uh, of being washed away. Where's Chuck? Chuck, you're in the sound booth. Chuck, you'll remember this. Years ago, Chuck and I were getting ready for an outdoor baptism in Sopchoppy. And we would go down to the river, but you never knew what, what, how the bottom of the river would be. And we found a place the whole church was going to unload after the service, go to the river. But Chuck and I went down, what, 7 o'clock in the morning, maybe it was. And so we get to the river. Nobody's there. We didn't think. And Chuck and I walk out in the river, and, and I kind of stand there, and I'm having him stand there. And then I turn around, and we try to figure out how far we got to get out in the water. And all of a sudden, we hear this voice up on the hill. And there's this guy sitting on a picnic table. I, I, I think he was drinking a beer. And, and, you know, I mean, that early in the morning, I mean, I mean, I mean I'm not a fan of alcohol anyway. I don't like your beer. I don't care who you are. Okay. And so uh, uh, <laughs> let's just get things straight right here now. And, and so, but anyway, he's drinking a beer, so that tells you something. And... and and he says, you guys getting ready to baptize? And we hollered up there. We said, yes, yes, the whole church is coming down. And we've got quite a few folks, and they're going to be baptized. He said, that's awesome. And he said, when I was growing up, he said, I was just a boy. He said, there was a pond not too far from our house. And all the churches in our area used to go baptize in that pond. He said, you know, he said, my mama never would let me swim in that pond. She said, there's way too many sins been washed <laughs> in that pond. <laughs> that she never would. She said, it'd be dangerous to swim in that pond. It's full of sin. Well, well, well one of the meanings is that our sins are washed away. Another meaning is this. That it is death, burial, and resurrection. You'll hear me say this this morning. And here's what the Bible says. The, the Bible says, Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ, this is Romans 6 chapter, were baptized into his death, therefore we are buried with Christ by baptism into death. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Buried with Christ in baptism raised in the likeness of Christ to walk in newness of life. When, when we baptize people here today, we're going to be saying, not only have their sins been washed away through the blood of Jesus, but they are identifying with the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
it, it, it's, it's awesome. Here's one more thing, and, and I can't take too long, but baptism, listen to this now, clears your conscience. It, it does, there's a connection between baptism and the conscience. 1 Peter 3, 1, 3, 21 says there's also an anti-type. Now let me just stop here. Anti, uh, we know what the word anti-type means in English, and it has a similar meaning. Uh, in the Greek, this word in the Greek means symbol, figure, counterpart. Uh, there's also an antitype, a symbol, a figure, an antitype, which now saves us slash baptism. Not the removing of the filth of the flesh. In other words, the water alone. I'm telling you, uh, the water alone this morning won't save anybody. But if they've met Jesus as Lord and Savior and they've been washed in the blood, then that water becomes very significant. He, he, he says there's also an antitype which now saves us, baptism, not the removal of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You see, friends, in the days to come, you'll reflect back on your baptism and you'll remember your baptism. But the way you know you've really been redeemed is because He's cleared your conscience. He's lifted the weight of sin and guilt and shame. He has given you a good conscience toward God. And that's what it says right here. The conscience, that connection with the conscience. I can't help myself. I've got to share this with you. Some years ago, I read about a conscience fund that the federal government has. Did you know that the U.S. government, the Treasury Department, has a fund that's called the Conscience Fund? You can do some research on it on your own. But what, what happens is people who have a guilty conscience, you're going to think I'm making this up? People who have a guilty conscience will write out a check or send cash and they'll send it to the federal government. Now, that just, that just blows my mind, but anyway, they'll send it to the federal government. I heard about this. I didn't believe it. I started doing some research. Now, this is probably going back 15, 20 years. I don't know how long ago it's been. But I, I started doing some research and I got on the phone and I started calling Washington, D.C. took me about two or three days. I finally found somebody that would talk to me. And I spoke with a Dolores Austin. I still have her phone number in my notes. I spoke to Dolores Austin. She's a bookkeeper that explained the fund to me. This is what she said. It all began in 1811 when a man from New York sent $6. Now, I would imagine in 1811, $6 was a lot of money. He sent $6 and a note that said, I'm suffering the most painful pangs of conscience. And that's how the, they didn't know what to do, so they just called it a conscience fund, and they started the fund. Uh, at that time, and I'm talking about the time when I called her some years ago, uh, the most they'd ever received in one year was $370,285. The largest single contribution at that time, now I read the other day and I've seen some higher figures, but at that time, the largest single contribution was $14,250. Somebody wrote a check out, sent it in. I asked her if she could share with me some of the notes that she had received, and she did. She said, one note said, please accept this check for $1,500. I'm winding up my account, and I feel that I owe this much to you. Who knows? Maybe somebody's working for the federal government. Maybe they were Stealing paper, pens through the years, who knows? And she said, another note said, I'll sleep better now. And there was money in envelopes. One said, I want to have a clear conscience. A person with an overactive conscience said, 
She said, I mean, she reads this to me. A person with an overactive conscience said, I'd hate to burn in hell over a couple of dollars. <laughs> but the one I liked the best was this one. She said, one note said, I can't sleep. My conscience is bothering me. Enclosed, find a check for $50. If I still can't sleep, I'll send you the balance. Church, listen to your pastor. Listen to me. I believe in restitution. I believe it's a biblical concept. But I'm telling you, if you want your conscience cleansed, if you want all the guilt and shame and brokenness of the past lifted off of you, if you want a good conscience toward God, there's only one way to have a clean, clear conscience, and it's a glorious way. You have to turn to the Lord Jesus Christ, the one and only Savior of the world. You have to bow down before Him in repentance. You have to have a born-again experience, and you have to follow His teachings. And the first thing He teaches us to do after salvation is to be baptized. <clears throat> bow with me in prayer. Father, we love you this morning. We thank you for your goodness and grace and mercy. And Father, I pray if there's somebody here today who needs to be saved, in just a few moments they'll have the opportunity, and I pray, Lord, that you'll give them the courage, not just courage, but the desire that the irresistible grace of God will draw their hearts to this altar in salvation. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Now, first of all, I want to call everybody who's planning on being... Thank you again for listening to this life-changing message from River of Life. If this message has touched you today, or you need someone to pray with you, then please let us know. You can call us at 850-926-1200 or send an email to info at riveroflifefl.com. We also encourage you to visit River of Life this Sunday at 1030 a.m., in Crawfordville. For more information, visit us at riveroflifefl.com.